0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. That's it, you guys ready for the word? Yeah, all right, let's jump right in. If you haven't had an opportunity um, to listen, we are in week three, week three of our uh, series, Love Thy neighbor. Um, If you didn't have a chance to hear the first one, uh, Pastor Eric uh, did an amazing job. Pastor Cody last week, our worship pastor, uh, creative arts pastor did an amazing job letting us know that we are anointed to heal, that we have something to give. And I want to jump in today talking about loving our neighbor as ourselves. So we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to pick up there. In this particular passage of scripture, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus, if you read to the top of it and you read all the way down, Jesus is being tested by um, by the Pharisees, by the the Sadducees. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to trip him up, get him to say something, uh, get him to do something crazy. So they're trying to do all of this stuff. And trying to embarrass Jesus. And a Pharisee came to Jesus and he said, Hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And we pick up right here in Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Jesus says, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is awesome. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. He says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment, no commandment greater than these. So again, the disciples are trying trying to distract Jesus. They're trying to uh, get him to say something that he's not supposed to say, trick him, trip him up. And Jesus gives this this answer. And we see Jesus do some stuff like this all the time. Jesus was gangster. Like Jesus was like... Like they would, they would come in and try to get Jesus to, to say something crazy, and Jesus would, would totally answer or ask or, or respond to their, their question like something like they were not even expecting it at all. And then even in this passage, when you get down to the bottom, it says that Jesus was so gangster that they didn't even want to ask him no more questions no more. It was like, okay, we don't even, we don't even want to fool with you. Like, you, you got it, Jesus. You, you win. So Matthew picks up, picks up this same story um, in his gospel, and it's the same, same account. Pharisee comes to him. asking the question. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And what I want to say here is that we don't have any issues loving God. That's not, for the majority of us, that's not our issue. Loving God is not our issue. I'll worship God. I'll come in. I'll sing. I'll lift my hands up. I said this in first service. You got people to, with the teapot. Look, when they're worshiping, they just, we got some teapot people in here. See, you get it? You get it? <laughs> you got the crazy people that have their hands lifted all over the place and jumping up like me uh, and jump all over the place. We don't have an issue loving God. We don't have an issue giving him all, our all for the most part. That's not, our, that's not our story. But then there are some of us that do have an issue loving God in a sense. And when I say that, we have this tendency sometimes to blame God for the things that happen in our life. Thank you, brother. For the things that happen in our life, maybe good, maybe bad. We, of course the good, but the bad things, we tend to blame God for those as well the bad things that happen in our life as if God is at fault for it. Something happens in our marriage and the marriage comes to an end. It's God's fault. Because if God had just done something, everything would have been okay. A sickness comes on our body. God put this on me. It's God's fault that I have this sickness. Job starts laying people off and you're the one that gets one of the pink slips. It's God's fault because if God had done something, I wouldn't have lost my job. We blame God for the bad things that happen in our life. But can I tell you that God never promised us that bad stuff wouldn't happen in our lives. He never promised that. He never promised us that a storm wouldn't come. But he promised us that we could have peace in the middle of it. He promised us that no matter what happens, that we will always find peace in the middle of the storm. And no matter what the distraction is, if we just keep our eyes on Jesus, everything will always be okay. What Jesus promised us, what the the Father promised us, is no matter what the obstacle, God will always be by our side. He never told us that weapons wouldn't form. But what he said was, is that they won't prosper. And see, a lot of times we expect the weapon not to form. So if the weapon forms, God, you didn't do your job. No, God never said the weapon wouldn't form. But he said, I promise you, it won't prosper in your life. If you keep your faith and your trust and your hope in me, storms are going to come. Right in the middle of the storm in the most, the most troublesome time of your life. Sometimes we see, like in the, in the scripture, we see Jesus is asleep right in the middle of it. Jesus, how can you sleep when all of this is going on in my life? How can you be resting when I'm experiencing some of the worst times in my life? And Jesus said, what do I have to do with y'all? See how gangster Jesus was? It's like, psh, Oh my goodness, you all here, y'all go again. Toward the storm, shut up. Peace, be still. We don't have an issue loving God. Sometimes our issue comes in this second verse where it says in 39, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? Let me go back to the loving God piece because we have a perfect example in the, book, in the Bible, in the book of Job. And for some that you may say Job. It's okay. Same thing. In the book of Job, chapter one, right off the, right, I mean, right off the bat, like sometimes you, when you read a story, you watch a movie, like it takes some time to get to like the, 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 uh, the, the plot of the story and getting like a whole bunch of stuff happening. It takes some time. You ever watch those slow movies? But Job is not that. Like right off the bat, Job started losing stuff. He got a, a, one of his um, uh, servants comes to him and says, hey, Job. You just lost all your donkeys and all your camels. And then the Bible says that right when that person came, there was another person that came and said, Job, you just lost all your crop. Everything is gone. And then it says that right in the middle of that happened somebody else came and said, Job, you just lost something else. Can you imagine Job sitting here and just person after person after person after person keeps telling him all of this bad stuff is happening in his life? How many times have you been there? Where it seems like, one bad thing happens, and then another thing, and then another thing, and you, in your heart, you're like, God, I can't take any more. Can I please just have a break? Can I please just catch my breath? It just seems like one thing after, it never just one thing happens. It just Sometimes people say it happens in threes, it happens in fours, all that stuff. It's never just one thing that happens. It's always something else and something else and something else, and then the last thing that happens was probably the worst thing that Job feared. The last one comes to him and says, Job, the house collapsed and all of your kids are dead. Can you imagine? After you've all lost all of your wealth, you've lost all your houses, you've lost your clothes, you've lost everything that you've had. And then the one thing that you had left, your family, probably your greatest possession, you lose that. What are you going to do? And then Job the person that's surrounding him, that's with him, that should be the one that lifts him up, that should be the one that gives him encouragement and picks him up. See, that's why you got to be careful about who you surround yourself with. See, everybody wants to be with you when you're on the upside and things are going good and everybody wants to pat you on the back then, but I want you to open your eyes when you're going through hell, when you're going through bad times in your life. Open your eyes and see the people that are around you. See the people that are around you. See see the people, the things that are coming out of their mouth when you're going through something. Are they lifting you up, or are they putting you down? Are they disappearing, or are they showing up for you on your behalf, like you show up for them? Job's wife, like really? Like Alan, you going through, and Claudia's like, why don't you just curse God and die? Like, whoa, wait, like, can we, can we, can we take some steps here? Like, i got to go right to death, like off the bat, like, like, you're just going to go right to the, to the top. That's okay. I see what we're doing here. Why don't you just curse God and die? She said, can you imagine the feeling that Job is having in this moment? Job didn't give up. In fact, Job at one point says, though he slay me, I'm still going to trust him. My hope, my trust in him is not going to change just because of what's going on in my life. Listen, the issue that we have is not us loving God. Sometimes the problem that we have is us loving ourselves. In verse 39, let's go back to that. It says in the second, Jesus says in the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments Look, this, this Pharisee, he was a teacher of the law. So that's what they focused on. They focused on the law. They focused on the commandments and doing things, you know, the right way, not committing adultery, not uh, stealing, not killing, all of that stuff. They focused on the law and the prophets. And so Jesus is telling this man that these two are the greatest commandments. See, sometimes we don't have an issue focusing or, or uh, we don't have an issue on keeping the commandments. That's not our, that's not our problem sometimes keeping the commandments and doing the right things. But where we miss, what we miss is we miss the part that actually matters. And that's what Jesus was telling him here. He's like, I know you live in all those laws. I know you, you, you know it. You're teaching everybody else. I know you know what it says. But let me show you the part that really matters. What really matters is how are you loving? I know you love God, but we're re- what really matters is how are you loving the person that doesn't look like you? How are you loving the person that doesn't have the same mindset, that doesn't have the same belief system as you? How are you loving the person that doesn't maybe not have the same amount of money that you have or don't have the same job that you have? See, a lot of times we don't have an issue honoring up. We have an issue honoring down. When there's somebody that's in a higher position than us, oh, I I can love you. But then we tend to look down on the person that's not on the same level that we are. How are you loving Pastor Don's dad used to, always, he said, used to always tell him, how's your love walk, son? How's your love walk? How are you loving? How are you loving on people that don't look like you, that don't have uh, maybe even the same political views as you? Uh-oh. How are you loving? Sometimes we focus on the wrong things. The true test of our heart. And the true sign of our allegiance to Christ is not found in the scripture that we know. The true test of our heart and the true test of our allegiance to Christ is found in the love that we show. It don't matter how much scripture you know, it don't matter how much how, how you can quote the Bible uh, from front to back, and you know what John 3:16 says. Everybody know what John 3:16 says. You ain't doing nothing, you know that? No, let me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sometimes you got to humble people a little bit, you know? (laughs) It's not found in the scripture that you know, but it's found in the love that you show. That's why the Bible says that they will know, the world will know that we are his followers by the love that we show one to another. And a lot of times when they come into church, they don't see us showing love towards each other. But I'm supposed to come in here and, and, and experience some kind of love. Listen, we church have to begin to show love to ourselves, to one another, if we expect the world to follow the Jesus that we know can save their life. That's how they'll know that we're His disciples. Not because we can quote John 3:16, not because we got the little fish on the, on the back of our uh, car. That's not going to show them that we're his followers. It's gonna show him that we're his followers. That's how we're loving. Perfect example of this. There's a man that comes up to Jesus. And he asks Jesus, he says, Jesus, what good thing can I do to get eternal life? And Jesus, is like, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, listen, just don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't kill, don't murder. The man says, Oh man, that's good. I got that one, Jesus. I got that one in the bag. I'm good. <laughs> you must not. You ain't, you ain't asked about me, Jesus. You got to check my Wikipedia page. You ain't, you, ain't been, you ain't been asking about. See, all the young people know what the Wikipedia is. <laughs> all the older people are like, Wicca what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Google me, Jesus. And you'll see I've been living this way all my life. And Jesus said, okay. Well, how about this? Sell everything that you have and give it away. Whoa, 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 Jesus. Wait a minute! I got racks on racks, Jesus. I ain't, my bag is long, Jesus. You, you don't know what my bank account say. You telling me to sell everything I got and give it away, Jesus? Are you serious? The man walks away. Did you know there's only a few times in Scripture that Jesus asks someone specifically to come and follow them, and every single one of them was a disciple. This man had an opportunity to probably be the thirteenth disciple, but because His heart wasn't in the right place because he didn't love his neighbor as himself. He missed an opportunity to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus wasn't concerned about him living the law. Jesus was concerned about the heart that he showed. You spent all your life building this wealth. You spent all your life making your name great. You spent all your life, you done went to college and you done got your, your, your master's and you done got your PhD and you running your own company now, so you doing it big. Jesus don't care nothing about that. Where's your heart? He doesn't care what your bank account says. Where's your heart? He told this man, and this was actually in Matthew chapter 19. This is before we even get to Matthew 22. He told him to love his neighbor before he even said it. Give away everything you have. And let somebody else be great. Are you willing to build up something and not get credit for it, but see somebody else get the pat on the back? Are you willing to put in all the work, building something, building a name, building something for yourself and give it away to somebody else to see them flourish and you get no credit for it? That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Are you willing let me ask some Mary folks, are you willing to say you're sorry even when you didn't do anything? That's what It, it just got real quiet in here. Real quiet. Are you willing to be the first one to say that you're sorry? Are you willing to put, your, put, to put the other person over you? That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. In this moment, Jesus. The son of God is giving us the entire will, the blueprint and plan of God for all of humankind. In this one moment, when they thought it was about living according to the law, Jesus said, no, you've got it twisted. If you love God with everything you have and you love your neighbor like you love yourself, you'll do all of that stuff. You don't even have to worry about all of that. If you just love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength and love your neighbor like you love yourself. What Jesus didn't say was love everybody else and don't think about you. It's not what he said. Because see, Jesus knows that we don't have a problem thinking about us. We don't have a problem thinking about us. We don't have a problem, problem loving ourselves, most of us. And some of us might love ourselves a little too much. We don't have that issue. Think about it. One of the first words that your kid learns, your baby learns. It's not dad dad, it's not mama. You know what it is? Mine. Think about it. Try to get them not to say it. No, it's share, baby. It's share, mine. You don't have to teach us what selfishness looks like. We're born with it. From being a baby, we're born being selfish. You got to teach your baby how to be unselfish, right? So Jesus knew that it, you, you, ain't have, you don't have no issue loving yourself. You love yourself a little too much. Love somebody else just like you love yourself. What Jesus is saying is that with the same tenacity and motivation that you have to love yourself, To take care of yourself, to do for you. I want you to be just as tenacious and just as motivated in loving somebody else. What Jesus is telling you is when you see somebody else, I want you to see yourself. When you see somebody else, I want you to see yourself. When you see that person in the checkout line and they swipe their card and it hits decline and then they start rubbing it on their leg thinking that it's the the card. You ever seen that before? I done done it myself. I think it's just something wrong with the car. Let me, let me rub it off a little bit. Got some fingerprints on there. I think it'll go through this time. And you pray praying the tongues the whole time. When you see somebody in that car gets declined, I want you to see yourself. Because I know what it felt like for me when I swiped my card and just prayed to Jesus that it would go through. And I don't want anybody else to feel that feeling. So when I see them, I see myself. You don't even have to worry about the second time. I got you. Here you go. God bless you. Jesus wants you to see yourself when you see other people. When you see a person struggling, he wants you to see yourself. The entire kingdom of God is wrapped up in our ability to put other people above ourselves. The whole kingdom of God is wrapped up in our ability to put other people above ourselves. Jesus modeled that. But here's where it becomes a problem. Here's where it becomes, because there's a healthy and there's an unhealthy way to do that, to think about yourself. Where it becomes an issue, where it becomes unhealthy is when you don't have a proper view of yourself. When I don't have a proper view of me. And that's what we're focusing today. All that, everything else, that was just the intro. That's where that's where the message is. This is where we were going to really start. Cody, here we go. When I don't have a proper view of me, I begin to see things that's not actually really true. As Christians, we're given the command to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus is telling us, love your neighbor as yourself. But what if, what if you're asking this question, well, Pastor Dave, what if I don't love me? What if I struggle loving me? I don't even like myself sometimes, Pastor Dave. And you want to talk about loving somebody else like I love me? Well, I don't even love me sometimes. When I look in the mirror, I don't get happy all the time, Pastor Dave. And you want me to love other people like I love myself. What if that's the question that you're asking yourself? It's hard to try to teach someone how to love other people like themselves when they really don't even like themselves. Can I tell you this? My wife, I know she loved me. She, uh, she really, really, she really loved me, especially to deal with all the mess that I done put her through. She loved me a whole lot. A whole lot. But she don't like me all the time. If I just be honest, she don't like me all the time. And McKenna, I don't like her all the time. And if you like your spouse all the time, I'm praying for, for lightning not to strike you down because you're lying. You're just not... You're not telling the truth. You're, tell the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, I don't even like my kids all the time. <laughs> and again, if you're saying that you like your kids all the time, the, the doors of the church are open. Come down here to the altar. We're going to lay some... The prayer workers we're going to call Pastor Lemoyne's going to come up and lay hands on you right here. Because <laughs> you ain't telling the truth. I don't like my kids all the time, but I love them. And my love for them will never change. Doesn't matter what I may have done to my wife or not have done, her love for me will never change. No matter what my kids do or don't do, no matter how many times they don't follow my instructions and do the things that I've told them to do. How many times I got to tell you to clean your room, to keep your room, to make your bed? How many times do I got to tell you to pick your trash up after you finish putting stuff in the microwave? You saw it. Or are you just going to walk over that piece of paper like 50 times. Like You didn't see that same piece of paper there that's been sitting there for the last two days. You know, sometimes, and see, I'm petty like this, Pastor Lemoyne, sometimes I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to see how long it's going to take you to pick it up, because i seen it the first time it fell on the floor. <laughs> I'm going to be petty and see how long it's going to take you to see this paper, but let you ask me for something. Dad, Daddy, can I have money for some Robux, or are you going to bother me until the sun come down and up the next day? You ain't going to forget that, but you forgot to see that paper that was sitting there on the floor. All right, I'm sorry. I got a little sidetracked for a little bit. (laughs) I don't even know where I was going with that now. (laughs) Oh, I don't even like my kids all the time. That's where it was right there. I'm back on. I got it. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) But I love them. And my love for them will never, ever change. And see, that's how the father is with you. How many instructions has God given you and you don't follow it? But his love for you doesn't change. How many times have you done something, asked God for forgiveness and said, God, if you forgive me of this, if you get me out of this mess, I promise you I will never do it again. And you find yourself back in that same position over and over again. Guess what? His love for you still didn't change. We may feel like it does because that's how we are. Because we have a tendency to be unforgiving, but God always forgives. His love for you will never, ever change. Here's how you know that you don't have a proper view of yourself. Do you ever get suspicious when people try to do good stuff for you? It's like, oh, wait a minute. Why are you you being nice to me? What you want? Like, you you, got to have some kind of motive. Because you ain't just going to be nice just to be nice. It's something you want, what you want. You know why that is sometimes? Because sometimes we feel like we're not worthy of someone being nice to us. Sometimes we feel like I'm not that good for you to be nice to me. You have to want something from me because you're not just going to do something for me out of the kindness of your heart because that doesn't happen to me. So it's got to be something else. You You must want something from me. That's what happens when you don't have a proper view of yourself. But when you begin to see yourself the way Jesus sees you, people will do good things for you and you'll be okay. Because you'll know that you are someone who's worthy of good things. Again, I ask you, or you may be asking, what do I do if, I, if my struggle, Pastor Davis, to love me? How do I do that? How do, how do I love me? I don't I can't even get to the step of loving my neighbor if I don't love myself. So how do I love me? Can you help me with that, Pastor Day? I'm glad you asked and I'm going to help you. Thank you for asking. I was going to tell you anyway, but since you asked. The reason Jesus was able to love other people was because he knew just how much the Father loved him. In fact, Jesus would say it all the time. He knew just how much the Father loved him. And it was from that place of knowing that God loved him that he was able to love other people unconditionally because he knew that God loved him unconditionally. So in order to get this, this proper view of, of, how, uh, of how to love yourself, you have to get to a place where you know just how much God loves you. And it's from that place that you'll be able to love other people. Look at this. Oh, let me ask you this or say this really quick before we go to this next scripture. Don't boast about how much God or how much you love God, but boast about how much God loves you. Because you can tell people that you're blue in the face. Oh, I love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? Some people laughing. Y'all know that song. Somebody know that. Somebody listen to Mary Mary. Uh, Erica Campbell. Um, I love God. I go to church all the time. I'm in the 9 a.m. prayer on Saturday when we pray for service. I come to church, I show up on time, I'm worshiping, I'm the teapot person. <laughs> like I'm here. I know my I carry my Bible all the time. It's always with me. And then let you fall, and mess up. Let you sin and make a mistake. You know what people are gonna say? I thought you loved God. I thought you said you loved. God. I thought you was a Christian. That's why I don't boast about how much I love God. But I'm going to boast about how much he loves me. Because I know I'm going to fall. I know at some point I'm going to make a mistake. But I can boast about how much he loves me. Because his love for me gives me the ability to get myself up, dust myself off, and keep moving. Not my love for him. It's his love for me. And that's why it says here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, it says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved me. That's what love is, that he loves me. And he loved me first. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for my sins. Dear friends, since God so loved you, you got to love other people. Since God so so gave you grace, you got to give other people grace. Since God so gave you mercy, you got to show other people mercy. That's why, Tom, it's really hard for me to judge somebody. It's really hard for me to point out somebody's sin and make them feel bad about something they've done that everybody knows about. Because how can I judge somebody for their public sin when God never judged me for my private ones. Because we're quick to point out other people's stuff. We're quick to point out when somebody else makes a mistake and when somebody else falls. But what would happen if a camera were to follow you around 24 hours a day? What would it see? And how much of that did God forgive you for? Guess what? All of it. So how can I judge somebody else for something that they got caught in when God didn't judge me for things that I didn't get caught in? If God can show you grace, then you can show somebody else grace. Since God so loved you, 1 John 4, 11, you also ought to love somebody else. You begin to love yourself at the point that you truly grasp just how in love with you the Father is. When you can get to this point where you know that he is madly in love with you, you're able to follow, you're able to love other people. I'm gonna jump down. and Let's look at John chapter 15 really quick. 15 verse nine, it says, Jesus says, as the father has loved me, remember, Jesus knew how much God loved him. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. He says, now remain in my love. Verse 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for a friend. Listen, Jesus is not asking you to sacrifice your life literally, but what Jesus is asking you and I to do is he's asking us to put down our own selfish ambition and motivations and thinking about ourselves and think about someone else over us. That's what Jesus is asking us to do because that's what he did. You want to know how I know that he did that? Because Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to the Father. He's getting ready to go to the cross and he looks and he's praying. He says, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to give my life up right. I don't want to do this, God. In that moment, Jesus had a a split second where he thought about himself. Where he started to to question what he was doing. "I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it, God then he snapped back into his spirit. He said, but nevertheless, because I know it's not about me. I know it's about that person that thinks that they're not worthy and they're wanting to, to, to take their life. I know it's about that person knowing that they are loved, knowing that they are valued, knowing that they are worthy. I know it's about that person. who has has repeatedly committed sin over and over and over again and they're gonna walk into a church one day and hoping that they can find hope and hoping that they can find love so I know I don't wanna do this, but it's for that person. For the joy that was set before him. Jesus endured the cross. And what I want you to know is you were that joy. You were the joy that was set before Jesus. Jesus. And if he had to do it all over again, he would say, I don't want to do this, God. And then he sees Joseph's face. But nevertheless, Joseph's coming. So not my will, but your will be done. When you truly love yourself, you can effectively love other people. Jesus is commanding us, and I'm going to move really fast. He's commanding us to do a couple things here. Because you've got to love, you got to learn how to love yourself in order to love other people the way that they are supposed to be loved. And the way that you learn to love yourself is knowing just how much God loves you. So Jesus is commanding us, What I found four things here in this passage of scripture. The first thing that Jesus is commanding us is that we have to love ourselves without condition. Because if you can love yourself without condition, then you can love other people without condition. And this word love here in this, this passage of scripture is from the Greek word Agape. It's an unconditional love. It's a love uh, that deals with charity. It's having an unselfish concern for someone else. It's not the love that you have for your spouse. It's a love that says, no matter what you do to me, I'm still gonna love you because this love is not based on my feelings. This love, I'm not gonna not love you just because I don't feel like it today. You know, I don't feel like loving you today. That's not this kind of agape love. It means no matter what happens, that I'm always going to love you. God never stops loving you and he'll never stop loving other people. I say it this way. God shuts nobody out from his love and neither should we. God doesn't shut no one. He shuts no one out from his love and neither should you. Neither should I. If I can learn to see myself as someone worthy of the father's love, Someone worthy of dying for. Someone worthy uh, uh, of, of God, for, of Jesus, stepping out of divinity into humanity to live a sinless and a perfect life for somebody like me. Listen, I don't know your mess, but I know the things that I've done. I know the places that I've been. I know the times that I've messed up. I know the things that I, sh- that I shouldn't have done, but I still did. And if Jesus could give it all up just for me, If he can walk out of heaven for me, I can't get out of my bed for somebody else. I can't get out on my knees and pray for someone that doesn't look like me, that doesn't think like me. Jesus can give it all up for me. We've got to love ourselves without condition. And if we can do this, we can begin to love other people without condition. The second thing is you've got to forgive yourself. Continually, You've got to love yourself without condition and you've got to forgive yourself continually because this love that the Father has for you, this love that the Father has for me, it's the same love that he had that Jesus showed to that woman that was caught in the middle of adultery when they threw, him, threw her at his feet and he spoke to those people and they said, if none of you have done anything, I want you to go ahead and throw the rock and they all threw, dropped their rocks and walked away. He says, there's nobody here to judge you and neither do I. Get up, go and sin no more. That's the love of God. That's the love that Jesus showed to that woman and he shows that same love to me. He shows that same love to you. It's the same love that he showed to that Samaritan woman at the well when she told him that he already knew that she had been with so many different men and he showed her so much love and so much grace and she goes back into the city and she becomes an evangelist and turns her whole city around. Because the love that Jesus showed is the same love that he showed to Peter when he denied him three times. Can you imagine denying Jesus after he already told you that he would? And on the third time, there's a huge crowd from here to the back and the crowd splits like the Red Sea and you connect eyes with Jesus knowing that you doubted him, knowing that you, that, that you denied him. And Jesus gave him a look of compassion. It wasn't a look that I told you so. It was a look that said, I still love you. That's the kind of love, that unconditional love that Jesus has for you that you have to have for yourself. And if you can love yourself that way, you'll forgive yourself continually. You'll forgive yourself. They're asking the scripture, how many times are we supposed to forgive Jesus? Seven times? He said, no, 70 times seven. Oh, you mean I'm supposed to forgive somebody 490 times? Jesus, you have lost your mind. You lost your mind and you think, I'm going to forgive somebody that many times. Jesus, you don't know me. <laughs> I could go somewhere else with that. Well, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> you got to love yourself without condition. you got to love yourself without condition. you got to forgive yourself continually. And the third thing, you've got to give selfless, selflessly. you got to give selflessly. Everything in God's kingdom is about other people and not ourselves. Everything in God's kingdom is about you thinking about someone else. Think about it. Jesus, on his very last day, his very last day here, think about your bucket list. All the things that you say you're going to do before you leave this earth. Oh, I'm going to Paris. I'm going to Rome. I'm going to cuss that woman out at my job. See, I ain't said nothing before because I'm trying to keep my job, So, I, but now since I know I'm about to be gone anyway, she's about to get every piece of this your bucket list. All the things you said you're going to do before you leave this earth. And Jesus, on his last, the last thing that he does, one of the last things he does before he leaves this earth is he gets down on his knees and he washes his disciples' feet. He serves somebody else. They feed Jesus. I can't stand feet. Like I hate them. Only feet I like is my wife's. Literally, that's it. And when we first got married, I told her, I don't like feet. And then she showed me her feet, and I'm like, okay, I like feet. (laughs) I don't like them, but I'll rub hers. But everybody, my kids, don't touch me with your feet. It's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) That was real. That was real. Like (laughs) My eyes watering now. I was (laughs) like... the dirtiest part of the disciples' body, Jesus gets down. They've been walking on, on, on dirt and dust. They got bunions on their feet and corns. Like, bleh. And Jesus washes their feet. Aren't you glad that Jesus is not afraid of the dirtiest parts of your life? The parts that nobody else will touch the parts that everybody wants to avoid, those parts that you often want to hide, aren't you glad that Jesus is not afraid of the dirtiest parts of your life? That on his last day, that he will get down on his knees and serve you. Jesus said, listen, Peter's like, you can't do this to me, Jesus. I'm supposed to be doing this to you. Jesus said, no, because I didn't come to be served. I came to be a servant you got to give selflessly. The last thing is that you have to always be able to see the beauty within yourself. If you can begin to see the beauty within yourself, you'll be able to see the beauty in other people. If you can begin to see yourself the way God sees you, if you can begin to see that this God that created everything, that created this world, He created the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets. He created it all. It wasn't a big bang. God did it. Wasn't no explosion and then everything just happened. God did it. If he can do that, if he can create all the different species of fish, have you ever been in the deep sea and see all of the colors of the fish? How beautiful it is. What's the prettiest flower you've ever seen? God created it. The most beautiful tree that you've ever seen, God created it. He spoke it all into existence. He spoke the trees. He spoke the fish. He spoke and, and had the, the ocean, the sea, to separate from the sky. He spoke all those things into existence. But then, when it came time for you, the same act that Jesus did, He gets down on His knee. And he formed you. God was intentional. He said, I got to take my time with this one. This one is far, this this one is worth more than just a word. I've got to actually get intimate with this one. And he breathed life into Adam and Adam became a living being. He breathed life into you and you came alive. If you can begin to see the beauty in yourself, you can begin to see what God sees I know you don't feel feel like it sometimes I know you don't feel good sometimes I know you've messed up so many times how could God love me but I want you to hear the voice of God God is saying oh my God if you could just see you the way I see you if you could just see yourself the way I see you if you could see the beauty that I see when I look at you oh if you could just see yourself through my eyes You're beautiful. You're absolutely beautiful. But I don't feel that way all the time, God. Just see yourself through my eyes. To think that if you look at yourself, you call yourself ugly, you call yourself whatever you call yourself. God created you. It's not about what you're saying about yourself. It's about what you're saying about your God. God doesn't make anything by chance. God doesn't make any mistakes. Everything that God created is beautiful. And if you can see the beauty in yourself, you can begin to look at other people and see the beauty in them as well. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.